Well, good morning to each one. <clears throat> I enjoyed the Sunday school lesson and the first verse there, first or second verse, um, served a little bit of a as a little bit of a uh, introduction to what I got this morning. <clears throat> And then Mike mentioned it there in his prayer. <clears throat> but laying aside the weights that so easily beset us, that's um, laying aside sin is one thing, but what about the weights? Now, <clears throat> maybe they're not necessarily bad things. <clears throat> but things that take up our, take up our time. <clears throat> draw us away from what is important. <clears throat> Has anyone here heard of Parkinson's Law? This has nothing to do with a disease. I'm not surprised that you haven't. <clears throat> Who here thinks that they do a good job of using their time wisely? You don't have to raise your hand. Just something to think about. <clears throat> How important is it that we do use our time wisely? For some time now, <clears throat> Jen and I have wondered if we have taken on more responsibility than, um, than we should have in the last number of years, not that we're grossly overloaded, but it seems like we're just constantly scrambling to fit everything in uh, day after day. There just seems to be no end to the pile that just keeps getting larger and larger. It's easy to think back uh, when time seemed, probably in our very poor memories, uh, when things were easier and less busy. And we're quick to recognize that um, we're not the only ones in this situation. I know that many of you feel the same way. And if you don't, um, and you're looking to make your life busier, uh, come talk to me after the service. We can help you out there. <clears throat> but why are we so willing to take on such heavy loads of responsibilities? Are we simply afraid to say no? Are we afraid that if we say no, that it would just add to someone else's pile of responsibilities? <clears throat> That's probably one of the, the big reasons for me, I think. <clears throat> A couple of weeks ago, I ran across an article written by Mr. Cyril Northcote Parkinson's back in the 50s sometime in the 1950s, and I believe it was intended, from what I could tell, to be a, a humor article, but it was published in the Economist newspaper as a serious article. <clears throat> and the first paragraph is what caught my attention, and this, is, uh, this fellow lived in, in England, or in London, and it reads like this, and I quote, it is, it is a commonplace observation that work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. And then he goes on to give a, an illustration. Thus, an elderly lady of leisure can spend an entire day in writing and dispatching a postcard to her niece at Bognor Regis, a, a suburb of London, 
An hour will be spent in finding the postcard, another in hunting for spectacles, a half hour in search of an address, and an hour and a quarter in composition, and 20 minutes in deciding whether or not to take an umbrella when going to the mailbox in the next street. The total effort, which would occupy a busy person uh, for three minutes, all told, may in this fashion leave another person prostrate after a day of doubt, anxiety, and toil, unquote. Now he goes on then to uh, protest the number of government officials that have been, that has been increasing and and was getting, in his opinion, a little overstaffed. Um, So it was just that first paragraph that caught my eye there. And the reason that it's, it's called Parkinson's Law is that he named it after himself. He just declared it to be so. Um, but the concept of your work expanding and taking up more time than it should struck a chord with me. And I've been mulling that around in my head a little and uh, for some time. And when I was looking for a topic this morning, it just seemed fitting. But isn't it true? Uh, certainly it seems to work that way. How often does just a small project end up taking way more time than it should? We recognize that we have only a finite time here on this earth. Some of us have far more time than others. We don't know how long we will live, and that is one of the great mysteries that has plagued humanity from very early on, Job recognize that God holds the answer to this mystery. And he says in chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me to judgment with yourself? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits, and so he cannot pass. We all know people who have uh, passed on at an age that we thought was far too young. We might also know of people who have um, who thought they outlived uh, their usefulness and wanted to move on to the next, to whatever comes next, or to what comes next. But the number of our days is in God's hands. And that very fact should make us aware of the responsibility that we have to use our time and our efforts wisely. God in his wisdom does not tell us what that time or what our allotment of that time will be. We are called to live in a way that uh, we are ready to answer for our actions at any time. We do not get a second chance at life. I know there are those who have had a close brush with death and it feels like they get a second time to their second chance to redeem their time but the reality is is that when our time comes uh, we have no more chances to do things differently I thought of the story of the the rich man and Lazarus the rich man desperately wanted to go back and and warn his friends but the time to do that was past <clears throat> You know, are those who are now in hell are looking back regretfully at their friends wishing for an opportunity to warn them. We don't really know how that works. 
but we know that we are only given one chance on earth to live uh, the number of days that God will give us to make a difference in the lives of others. <clears throat> so what are some ways to redeem our time? This is, of course, a term that comes from, um, that we find in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to read that. So if you turn with me, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, um, verse, uh, chapters 4 and 5 deal are dealing specifically with the uh, Christian walk or way of life. And in chapter 5, Paul is exhorting the readers to, to walk in love and in the light of Christ. <clears throat> because he is calling them to a higher standard than the world around them, he says this, starting at uh, verse 15 of chapter 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understanding, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There's not a lot of passages or references in the, Old, in the New Testament that deal specifically with time management. <laughs> But there are some principles that we can look at. And maybe this is one of the more clear directives that we have uh, dealing with time. Redeem your time because the days are evil. Paul goes on then to flesh out what are some good ways to do just that. Use wisdom. Don't waste time with mind-altering substances. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Encourage each other with praise to God. Have a thankful attitude, giving due credit to God, and live a life that is dedicated to serving others. <clears throat> I can certainly do better here myself. These directives are, are good and right, but if you're like me, they may be hard to do consistently. As humans, we can easily see the negative side of things and get bogged down by taking our eye off the prize. <clears throat> Probably the first scripture verse I thought of when considering this topic we find in Psalm 90 where we're told to number our days. And I want to read this entire psalm. I think we lose a lot of context when we just pull out the one verse. This is a, a beautiful and a, a familiar passage that, uh, where Moses compares God's eternal existence to man's very finite existence. And while it may be, let me back up, to man's very finite time on earth. And while it may be easy to uh, make my point just by simply quoting verse 12, we would miss much of the thought that the writer is trying to convey. Let's read Psalm 90 and notice that while verse 12 is the key verse in this passage, uh, the entire psalm is about time. <clears throat> Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, 
or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. For you set your iniquities, for you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sin in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now again, the plea here is, the plea of the author is for the reader to recognize the infinity of God compared with the finiteness of man. This passage uh, sets forth some sobering truths about God and the way that He deals with man. Um, some of the, it's, it's can be uncomfortable for one who has not experienced God's grace, God's forgiveness, and His mercy. When Moses considered the frail nature of humanity and the righteous judgment of God, it made him ask God for wisdom to understand the shortness of life. The term, so teach us, means that this wisdom must be learned. It's not automatic. Many people live with little or no awareness that life is short and that their days are numbered. Maybe it's easier for young people to to not think about their days being numbered and give little thought to what what lies beyond this life. And occasionally we need to be reminded of the fact that in light of eternity, our time is very short. And when we consider the relative shortness of the time that we have on earth, it should make us aware of our need for forgiveness and to be satisfied with His mercy. When we get to the point that we have experienced the peace that only comes from a right relationship with God, then we can, like Moses, look forward to the time that we will be with Him forever in glory. So how do we number our days or use our time wisely? If you've gotten around much in the last 15 years or so, you maybe have seen that acronym YOLO or Y-O-L-O. It stands for you only live once. And it became a popular slogan to wear on hats and t-shirts. 
It was coined in the rap music industry and became a rallying cry for millennials who were tired of the status quo and were willing to risk everything for something better or something different than their parents or just they were just wanting a total change. And while I understand the need sometimes to make drastic changes in your life, I don't think Christians should promote the idea of a major change just for the fun of it. Our lives should dedicate, should exhibit a dedication to what we see as God's will for our lives. Decisions that are potentially life-altering for ourselves and the ones that we're responsible for should be deliberate and should involve much prayer and counsel from those who are wiser and more experienced. And maybe that's a little bit off topic, but when we consider the subject at hand, we dare not have a careless attitude about how we spend our time because time is important. I want to make a few points here about numbering our days and making good use of our time. Um, First, a few points about what numbering our days is not. Numbering our days is not natural to us. The passage from Psalms, uh, Psalm 90, there was a prayer. The writer was making a petition to God. It was born out of need and the acknowledgement of something that we cannot do for ourselves. In this case, the thing that we could not do for ourselves is to know how to number our days carefully. We naturally assume that there will always be tomorrow. And we're all guilty of making decisions with the assumption in the forefront of our minds that tomorrow is another day and we can take care of something then or change something then. You know, there will always be another chance. There's a bit of arrogance and pride here. James tells us that we should be careful not to assume like this. We do well to remember that we don't know what tomorrow brings. We are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Secondly, numbering our days is not morbid. It may be hard to think about in some ways considering how much time we have. Um, you know, thinking about the brevity of life and the inevitability of death is, is not something fun to think about. But for the Christian, thinking realistically about death is, is not only not morbid, it's actually a good thing and it's a motivating thing. It helps us to remember who we are in the grand scheme of the universe and, we should ultim- and it should ultimately move us to greater humility before God who has no beginning and will have no end. Though the context of of this psalm does not, or does, uh, include reflection on the nature of sin around the psalmist and and in, in the world, he's not begging God for an end to his life. Instead, he's asking for the right perspective on all on such things be they good or bad, to live in the light of the limited amount of time that we all have. And Paul had a similar reflection when considering the troubles of this life in the light of eternity. 
which is immensely encouraging for the Christian. He says, I consider, and this is in Romans 8, 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Thirdly, numbering our days is not about months and years. The psalmist wasn't praying for God to bestow on him the date and the time of his death. Uh, Only God knows that. Instead, he's after a mindset that marks the way that we live. He was far more concerned about a lifestyle and a perspective than about days and weeks and months. For all of those who have willingly submitted themselves to the authority of an almighty God, such a perspective is valuable because it reminds us of his greatness and our own smallness. In Psalm 103, 15 through 19, we read of the praise to God, the praise that such a perspective praise to God that such a perspective leads to. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. And when the wind passes over it, he vanishes, or it vanishes, and his place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Numbering our days is not a bucket list. And what I mean by bucket list is a, a list of things that you want to do while you're still able to. Maybe this could be a big trip to an exciting destination or building a new house or mountain climbing in the Rockies. It, it could be anything. And that's something that the world very tries very hard to indoctrinate into your subconscious with billboards and advertisements and so forth. You haven't truly lived until you have experienced such and such. But I don't think that's what the psalmist had in mind with this prayer. And if it's not, then the end of numbering our days is not a request for us to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die, but it's something totally different. It's important to notice that this verse is not only a request, but it has an end to that request. We are asking God to teach us to number our days so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. That wisdom is about recognizing the reality of the situation before you, before you and then making decisions that bring honor and glory to God. To the God who put you there to begin with. In even simpler terms, wisdom is doing the best you can by God's grace with the resources at your disposal for the sake of God's kingdom. Wisdom is using our time unselfishly. Wisdom is making the time that we have allotted to us count for the kingdom of God. So what are some good, what are some ways to make good use of our time? Going back to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 again, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
How do we walk circumspectly? One way is by not um, imitating the ungodly around us. It's good to stop and consider some of the ways that the world spends their time. There's a reason why Paul made this statement. Human nature is the same today as it was back then. There is an alarming amount of money uh, spent in our world for entertainment, and I'm not about to say that's all bad, uh, we, but we do well to be intentional about our use of time and money. We all need to rest and rejuvenate sometimes. Jesus did. In Mark 6, we have the account of Jesus after hearing um, of John the Baptist's death, he told his disciples that they should go into a deserted place and rest. Now, it's a little difficult to know whether they did or not because it appears that the crowds followed them and they ended up feeding 5,000 people. So that doesn't seem like much rest for the weary. But it was kingdom work, and it was important enough to have been recorded so that we can read about it today. <clears throat> I believe that redeeming the time or making the best use of our time begins with us being intentional. It is walking in wisdom and in submission to God, seeking His will for our lives. Redeeming the time includes staying away from the sinful things of the world and instead walking in the ways of God. To make the, use, the, to make the most use of the time is to understand that the time we have is a gift from God and to steward it accordingly. <clears throat> I wonder that if we were as intentional with our time as we are with our money, maybe things would look different for us. Jesus left an example of a life that was lived intentionally. His ministry here on earth was only three years, but look at the impact that that three years made. He said then in John chapter 17 in his prayer, he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He came to fulfill his work on earth and then he was done. Could we be that in, intentional sometimes? To recognize that we don't have to be involved in so many things that eat up our time and cause us to minimize other things that really should be getting our attention. <clears throat> we should be quick to invest our time where it matters. Like an investment, uh, take a risk, but consider those risks in light of eternity. Will the payoff of this risk reap eternal rewards? Or does it bring with it only temporary pleasures? If the reward is in this life only, it's not a risk worth taking. In commending the calculating of risks in Luke 24, Jesus is actually talking about discipleship. He demands all-in disciples. Leaving family and jobs and comfort for the Savior only makes sense if it's viewed through the right lens. We must use the, the same lens in calculating 
the benefit of a risk. We should not be afraid to spend time enjoying the gifts that God has given us. In Psalm 90, verse 14, Moses goes on to ask God, he says, Oh, satisfy O satisfy us early, O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Finding joy and contentment in God's faithful love means that I won't be looking for it in any lesser thing. However, I can enjoy those lesser things for what they are, in many cases. Gifts of God gifts of God's good and bountiful grace. We can eat the chocolate, drink the latte, and take a vacation. But don't seek these gifts above the giver. Remember where true soul satisfaction comes from. As humans with bodies that have limitations, we do need to have distractions from our duties and responsibilities where we can relax and let our minds and bodies rejuvenate. And maybe that's a hobby. Maybe it's a change of pace from whatever is demanding so much of your energies. But it takes time management to make things like this happen. If you don't prioritize and make plans, um, then the best intentions quite often do not materialize. God knows that our bodies and our minds have limitations. He knows that our bodies have the possibility to burn out with the possibility of mental breakdown because of too much stress. He also gives us the ability to know when to slow down and look for refreshment, and this comes in many different forms. <clears throat> I believe that we have a responsibility to manage our time wisely and to not let our time manage us. Pay attention to what others tell you to when others tell you it's time to slow down and rest. <clears throat> Find ways of refreshing your body and your soul. Spend more time in Bible reading and prayer. Spend time enjoying and noticing God's creation. <clears throat> I'm thankful this morning that we do only live once. But that once is for eternity. <clears throat> So let's make sure that the part of eternity we spend time on earth is well spent. <clears throat>